moments. You have those moments where you just feel like you just see him fresh again. You see him in a whole new light again. And you just go, wow, he just got better. And aren't those moments awesome? Amen? Those moments are great and they're crucial. Aren't they crucial to our, our journey? You know, because we can go along, go along. He's brand new again. And they're crucial. And, uh, you know, I'm going to share a few stories tonight. These are my favorite stories in the, in, uh, the Gospels, and I just love them. But I'm just going to build something because, you know, that, that time for me where I just saw him in a new light, you know, they're so, so important. And the first story that I want to share is just to show how, you know, Jesus all the time did this, and his disciples had these moments with Jesus. They were just following Jesus and these moments just happen. So I'm going to tell a story. I want to try and kind of paint the picture for you so you can just get the feel of that, what that feels like for when you just see Jesus in a new way. And uh, I actually saw this on TV the other night, just so happened. Who loves like Jesus, the Son of God movies and Jesus, the Gospel? You love those shows? I love them. You know why I love them? Because it just brings, you read the Bible, plain sentences, plain sentences, words, and then you don't get all the dynamic in between, the pauses, the looks, the stares, the distance, the, you know, the crowds that are around and all that sort of stuff. And I just love watching these uh, films, these movies, which just bring like the Word of God to life and there's a whole new dynamic and it gives it a whole new power, you know? And that's great. That's artistic license. No one actually knew exactly what it was like, but I love it. And uh, so this is one of those stories where I love all that artistic license and come with me tonight and let's just have a quick look at what happens here. So turn in your Bibles, Matthew 22, uh, verse, Matthew chapter 22, verse 15 is where we're going to start and we're going to go through 22. It's paying taxes to Caesar, the parable of paying taxes to Caesar. Oh, it's not a parable, it's just an incident. Love this, love this. Here's the scene. Jesus is out, right? He's out, he's in, I'm not exactly sure where he is, but Jesus is always out in the public and he had the disciples with him and, you know, people coming to him and all this sort of stuff. And he was really, at this point in his ministry, he's causing a stir. This, this guy's got some attention from the people, okay? This guy's got some attention. He's drawing some attention because of what he's teaching, what he's doing, the things that he's representing, and there's two groups of people, and this is where it starts. It says, Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples along with the Herodians. Okay, so here we have two parties, two groups uh, in the time in Israel, in that, during that time, the two distinguished parties of Israel. We've got the Pharisees and we've got the Herodians. Okay, the Pharisees, they're distinguished by their strict observance to the law. They love the law, they love, they're fanatical about the law of Moses, they're passionate, you know, about keeping everything right, you know, and, and, and doing things, the ritual and the tradition, and, and they just stick to it, this is what they love, and this is what they're passionate about. Piety is their game, they love that, that's, that's what they do. And they're, they're the people, they're the people's party, sorry, they're the people's party. Everyone loves the Pharisees, all right? So here's Jesus. He's got the Pharisees coming. And the people are like, ooh, the Pharisees are coming. Cool. All right. And the other thing with the Pharisees is, sorry, they didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like the influence that he was having amongst the people. 
They really did not like what he was doing. The other group of people which are coming is the Herodians. Okay, and it says that the Pharisees sent uh, their disciples along with this group of people, with this party of people. Now, the Herodians are distinguished by their favoring and their friendship to King Herod. Okay, King Herod is, is who they kind of like, you know, favored that they rub his back and, and he'll rub their back. Okay, and they'll look after that. And, um, you know, they wanted Herod to be the ruler over the dynasty. That's what they wanted. And so, between the Pharisees and the Herod, Heredians, there wasn't like a gelling. They didn't like it because the Herodians, because of their devotion to King Herod, the Jewish people saw that as a compromise to the independence of Israel. You know, they wanted to be the people of the law of Moses and independent from anyone else's rule or reign. They wanted a line from David's line to be on the throne, not a Herod. They wanted someone from the line of David to be on the throne. So here we have two parties that do not like each other and do not get along. But because they so hate Jesus, they so want to derail his ministry, they so want to bump him off course, they'll come together for this one reason. You know, they'll unite to oppose and silence Jesus. So I'm setting the scene here. Jesus is just about to go on trial Jesus is just about to have these guys come. They think they're pretty good. They've got a question up their sleeve. They're going to bring this question. They've got it. We know how to get this guy. We've got this question. We're going to trick him and throw him off right in front of all the people. You've got to understand, everyone would have been there watching. Everyone was around Jesus anyway. But then when the Herodians and the Pharisees are coming, everyone's there watching. Okay. They come. And they come, and Jesus is just about on trial. He's standing there before everyone. And they come with this question. They say, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And their intent, what they had come with, is that Jesus would answer that question disrespecting the Roman Caesar. And that Jesus, their intent, they thought, if we can't get him wrong with our law, he seems to get everything right, he seems to have everything, let's get him done wrong by, by Caesar, by the Roman Empire who ruled over the whole land, the whole region at that time, the Roman Empire ruled with an iron fist. And if there was anyone who rose politically to bring something which was going to cause maybe disruption to that Roman Empire, they came down on that person. Like, a, you know, good night cockroach, you're gone. Okay, this was their plan. Let's take him out with this question. They wanted to get him in political trouble. You know, and this scene is so just, Jesus is under pressure. You know, and it's how someone responds under pressure that says so much about a person, doesn't it? When someone's right under pressure and whatever words are the next words which come out of their mouth, that's going to be plastered all over the newspapers, all over the screens when the pressure's on and everyone's, you know, come on, justify yourself, who are you? The pressure is on. Man, it's that, when that, you, the response to that really says something about a person. 
Okay, so all eyes are in on Jesus. What's he going to say? How's he going to respond? And the disciples are there watching. What's he going to do? This is, our, this is our leader. We're full of, all right, this is, wow, they've got a good question here. Come on, Jesus. Jesus is on trial. This is Jesus' response. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin you used for paying the tax. They brought him a Daenerys and he asked them, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God." Do you see what just happened? If you don't, I'll tell you, and I'll give you my interpretation of what I see happened. Yes, Jesus says, pay your taxes to Caesar. If that's his inscription on it, if that's his image, give it to him. But whose image is on you? Those Pharisees, those Herodians, they knew their law. They knew Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God made man in his image, in the image of God. So friends, yes, Jesus says, give your taxes to Caesar, but you better give your life to God because his image is all over you. Amen? Caesar can have his money. Caesar can have his money, but God wants you. Jesus came to bring a completely different kingdom that they had no understanding or thinking about, and everyone just went, oh, what? What? And his disciples went, whoa. They saw him in a new light, see him in a brand new light, and are amazed are amazed. It says in verse 22, when they heard this, they were amazed. Some translations say they marveled. So they left and went away. Get out of here. Oh my gosh. You can't touch Jesus. Amen. When you realize a whole new facet of a person, man, the disciples just had one of those moments. You know, and the respect levels just go through the roof. You just go, yes, whoa, oh my gosh, you are awesome. You know, and I so, for me, last week, like, praise God, thank you, everyone in this church, just putting on awesome service. You know, personally, just it was impacted me in that way. Just saw Jesus in a whole new way. And just, you know, Thinking of Easter, I just think it's such a privilege and what a great time that we just get to have holidays, close the shop, thank you Jesus, no one needs milk, come on, and I get to remember and get to put up and exalt Jesus and what he's done and think about the magnitude of what has happened, that Jesus died, that God was killed. Not only was God killed, but he gave himself over to be killed. I take those moments just to like put him up and exalt him and look at him. You know, and even then on Resurrection Sunday, just to see and just meditate on and think upon the might and the strength and the authority 
displayed over all creation as God raised Jesus from the dead. Over everything, he just displayed power. Amen. Last week, we're singing victory. Yes. Just great that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, see him in a whole new light. And friends, this is what I so want to encourage everyone here tonight. I so want to encourage all of us that Jesus is not just an ordinary man. Jesus is no ordinary man. He's not just a religious figure to be thrown in there with Muhammad and Buddha and the Dalai Lama. Those guys don't even come in the same category as Jesus. Come on. And I know at times we can somehow they end up in the same category and Jesus is in there with them. No, that's wrong. Jesus is not in that category with them. He is far above, way above. He is not just any ordinary man. You know, we can get familiar, un- sorry, familiar and lose sight of the wonder. That wonder that he deserves and that he has. You know, over time we can just get familiar and lose that. You know, we can forget how glorious, how glorious, how amazing, how amazing he is. You know, over time we can just, the reality and the implications of the gospel can just dull down, dull down. It doesn't have that (laughs) spark it used to have, you know. And so it's good. It's good for us to have these moments where we, he's lifted up and we take the time to stop, meditate, think upon, look at who he actually is. Amen? And that's where I feel led to go tonight. You know, since Easter and it was weeks building up, I don't know how God speaks to you, but he speaks to me just like a rolling ball. It just all comes together. And this uh, verse, I just felt led to come here tonight and just open it up and just actually see what Jesus has said here. And just solely for the purpose, let's just put him up on a pedestal and actually look at who he is and who he says he is. And uh, so if you've got your Bibles and you're following, jump over to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And uh, this point in the Bible... uh, or the story, the timeline, where it's at. This is, Jesus is in the last, last hours. Last hours before the crucifixion. It's coming up in a few hours. And this is some of the last recorded prayers. Uh, this is his prayer before uh, Gethsemane. So it's not in Gethsemane. But, um, you know, his last and final words. And crucifixion is just ahead. And I'm going to read in verse 5. That's all I'm going to read, one verse. And it says, and now, Father, this is Jesus' words, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Firstly, I just want to have a look at what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, Father, glorify me. Glorify me. To glorify something, this is what it means to glorify something. It means to give your opinion of it or your judgment. It means make it known. Whatever the dignity and the worth of that thing is, make it known, manifest it, and make it acknowledged, that it would be acknowledged. And so Jesus is asking God the Father, he's saying, Father, glorify me. Make known your opinion. Make known your judgment. Manifest 
my worth and make it known. You know, it's so incredible to see uh, what is happening here. What Jesus just said and what Jesus is just about to walk through. You know, the incredible juxtaposition between what Jesus is asking the Father to do and what is about to happen. Jesus is just about to be crucified. Jesus is just about to be mocked by man. Jesus is just about to be booed, ridiculed, blasphemed, completely dishonored through the mouth of man and their actions. He's just about to walk through that. But his prayer to the Father is, Father, glorify me in your presence, in heaven. Make known my worth. Make known my dignity. Make known your opinion and your judgment of me. Glorify me in your presence. The awe, the splendor, the worship, the praise. On earth, Jesus was the shamed one, the disgraced one. He was sneered at, jeered at. You know, they yelled, the crowds yelled, crucify, crucify. But that same moment, In heaven, Jesus was, they were crying, worthy, worthy. That same moment, all of heaven. If you're following in your Bibles, jump over to Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Paul's image, his prophetic image he saw of heaven and the days to come. And he said, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, jet, they were singing, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Amen. Jesus is glorified in heaven. Jesus is glorified in heaven. He is famous. And he was just about to walk through and be completely mocked, completely shamed. Hello, do we really see who Jesus actually is? What the, what the Father has made him? How the Father has glorified him and made his opinion and his judgment of him known? That he's the very centerpiece of heaven. All of heaven is circled around Jesus. That's where he belongs. That's a worship session. Take us there, Jet. There's one more thing in this passage that I just want to have a quick look at, you know, and it reveals something else of Jesus. I just really wanted to go here just to open it up and let's just look at Jesus. And this reveals something of Jesus, which I think is awesome. And it's a secret. He knew a secret that no one else knew. He had a secret that no one else knew. And the secret is that there's a nature that fits Jesus. There's something that clothes him that the crowds on earth knew nothing about. 
Jesus said, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus is talking about the splendor, the majesty, the brilliance of the glory of God, which clothed him, which covered him, which he was, that he had before any man breathed, before any star existed, before any sun was put in place, before any ocean, before any day of work you clocked on, Jesus was there, existed, and was glorious, brilliant, wondrous, light led out of him. He was amazing. Jesus is saying, glorify me with that glory which I had. It belongs to me. Amen. Jesus is the centerpiece of heaven. And all of this, it led me. And I really pray that it leads you tonight. I hope it has led you, encouraged you to think about and to get it into our heads that Jesus is not just an ordinary man. Amen. Does anyone feel that a little bit? He's not just an ordinary man. He does not belong in the same bracket as Buddha, Muhammad, the Dalai Lama. Hallelujah. Jesus is better than you think he is. Jesus is better than you think he is. Whatever you think he is right now, he's actually better than that. I don't know. He's gooder, as Judah Smith would say. He's gooder. There you go. Friends, our perception of Jesus is crucial. Our freedom, our freedom can be won and lost in the thinking of our minds. Just how we perceive him. The box that we put him in. You know, our perception is crucial. And I wanted to exalt Jesus and put him on that pedestal. We can see he's not just a nice man. He's not another religious figure in history. You know, he is something incredible. He is the Son of God. He is the creator of all things. He is the one who was there for eternity's past and forever will be. He's the author of all life, sinless, blameless, and perfect. Amen. And he is far above, far above. The Bible put far in there. Could have said he is above all rule and power and dominion? Friends, he's far above, far above. We've got to get in our thinking. He's far above. Jesus is better than you think he is. Do you see him for who he really is? Do you see him for who he really is? Can you see him or do you just see a model man? A religious figure with a nice name. You know, Jesus' disciples were with him for three years and they struggled to clearly see him for who he actually was. You know, time and again, Jesus would tell him, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do. Come on, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Tell him and tell him and tell him. They didn't quite fully get it. They had, yeah, get little bits, yep, yep. But never fully did the penny completely drop. Not fully did they understand the magnitude of who this dude was. But one day, they did. And uh, this is probably 
one of my other favorite stories in the Bible. So I'm just blessing myself tonight. I get to preach my two favorite stories in the Bible. That's great. What a good moment. If I could be a fly on the wall, these were like the two stories. I would just love to be there. Thank you, Lord. It would be great if I could be a fly on the wall. This one's found in Luke uh, chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and it starts in uh, 36. I'll just read it off here. So this is uh, post-crucifixion. He's been crucified. Uh, it's actually post, he's resurrected, but the disciples don't know yet. And uh, there's been that road to Animaeus experience that guys were on the road and this man talked to them all about this stuff. And where we pick up this story is all the disciples are huddled around. They got together. What else would you do after your leader, your rabbi, <laughs> has been killed and he's not here anymore? What would you do? You'd be hanging out, going, what happened, man? That was crazy. What is going on? Did you see the thing I ripped in the temple and everything? Like, they were just talking and questioning, but where is he? He said all this stuff. He, you know, what's going on? They were all together in the upper room, you know, all together there. They were questioning who, what, where, and that's where this story comes in. And it says, while they were still talking about this, this is in verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. And listen here, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds and they could understand the scriptures. And Neville was there. Hallelujah. Woo! How was it, Nev? It was good. That's why he knows. Neville was there. Jesus said everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. These guys were fanatical about the law of Moses. You've got to understand, people of this time, they knew the stories in the Bible. You know, we got verses and thingos and we try and remember and we Google it on my phone. I know that story. But these guys knew the story. They could recite stories. They tell stories. They know the characters in the stories. They know the rituals. They know the traditions. They knew everything about in the law of Moses, inside, outside, backwards. Jesus is saying all of that, which is Israel's boast, which Israel holds up as their treasured possession, the law of Moses. Yes, God gave it to us. It's all about me. Everything is written about me in there, he says to them. Everything in there I fulfilled. It's all about me. The prophets, he says. These people held in high regard the prophets, the words of what the prophets said. They remembered what Isaiah talked about. They knew this stuff. You know, we keep it recorded in books and we struggle to remember. These guys knew. And when people came and they, you know, quoted these prophets that people people knew they clocked on and jesus is saying friends everything that the prophets ever spoke about or pointed towards i fulfilled that 
And that is me. It was me that they were speaking of. It's me. All the Psalms, he says. These are Israel's devotional and worship books. The meditation and the wisdom and so many messianic prophecies filled of Psalms. Jesus is saying, it's all about me. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. All the prophecies, all the typographies, all the predictions, all the customs, all the rituals, all ceremonies, everything that spelt out Israel's Savior, Messiah, it came flooding into the disciples' minds. Whoa! Could you imagine being there in that moment? You've as a little boy, you've grown up, you've done all these rituals, you've done everything, you've followed the law of Moses, you've heard the prophets, you've heard the Psalms, all pointing to this someone, someone, someone. And then, whoa, this Jesus of Nazareth is more than just a man. They realized right then in that moment, this Jesus, he is the Passover lamb. He is the Ark of Noah's salvation. He is the brass serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. He is the city of refuge. He is the unleavened bread and the manna from heaven. He is our Melchizedek. He is our kinsman redeemer. He is the high priest. He is the tree of life. He is Jacob's stairway to heaven. He is the second Adam. He is actually Isaac going to get his wife. He is Jonah three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He is in every way the fullest and most complete fulfillment and source of every promise, every type, every shadow. He completely is. Amen. This is who he actually is. And from that moment, hallelujah, their lives were completely impacted. They saw the real Jesus. Whoa. He is more than just an ordinary man. Amen. Why all this tonight, Paul? Hey, why all this, Paul? You haven't even preached anything. You just told us how good Jesus is. That's all I've actually done. Is that good? Woo! Pat on the back, pulled it off, got my two favorite stories, and I haven't even actually preached anything to you. Told you how good Jesus is. Why the pictures? Why the explanations? Because everything, this is what I really want, it hit me, rocked me, hit home. Everything that we are, everything that I am, hangs upon fully who He is. Everything that I am, everything that we are, hangs upon who He is. You know, we are all human, I'm in that same boat. Times can be tough. The journey of faith can be tough. Man, we can feel shame, doubtful, fearful, worried, all these things. You know, but Paul wrote, and he got it so great. Paul wrote this, and it's so, it's got to be true. It's what we believe. And it says that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. All that I am, all that I really, really am on the inside, deep down, hangs upon who He really is. Because if He lives in me, it's good. And my purpose tonight 
in exalting Jesus, painting this glorious picture. Magnificent. What a legend. How awesome he is. Is because I also want to encourage you that you are better than you think you are. You are better than you think you are. Because he is better than you think he is. You are better than you think you are because he is better than you think he is. You know, that moment for the disciples would have just been so awesome when it all just came rushing like, wow, he just fulfilled everything, absolutely everything. You know, and those moments change us. And they're so important for us to have those moments. You know, when we realize how good and how awesome God is. You know, and to have the right perspective of Jesus. We, we have to take time and put him up. Praise God, we get Easter next year. Yes. We're going to do it again. We're going to put him up on a pedestal. And we're going to take time to remember and honor and look at who he is. And it brings freedom. The right perspective, perspective the right view, the right understanding of who he, he is brings freedom. Jesus is not just any man. He's not just a religious figure. No, friends, he's the one that God the Father has glorified and sits at the center of heaven and everyone worships him. And you know what he's clothed with? That glory, that brilliant, wonderful, splendorous glory. You are better than you think you are. You are better than you think you are. When it gets hard in the faith and you get beaten up by those voices, I've stuffed it, I've blown it. And you know, sometimes even, even though we wouldn't confess it with our mouth or say it, that we work to try and please God a little bit, sometimes it happens just deep down in there. No, but that does not make us any better whatsoever. You know, you want to know how righteous you are? Let me ask you this question. How righteous is Jesus Christ? How righteous is Jesus Christ? Friends, you are not going to get any more righteous than you are right now, ever, ever. You will not get any more righteous, not even when you get to heaven. You will not get any more righteous than you are right now. Because God the Father is not looking at you when he looks at you. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am righteous. You are not going to get any more holy than you are right now. You will not be any more holy when you get to heaven. Because it's Christ in me. Amen. It is no longer I who live. However holy Christ is, inside I have been made holy. Amen. In the eyes of the Father, for those in Christ, He is looking at Jesus in you. Friends, if you've never met Jesus tonight, or this is the first time that you've heard about Him, or maybe you've thought about Him in a new way tonight, I've achieved something by putting Him up on a pedestal, and you've gone, wow. Maybe I need to think again who he is. I encourage you tonight as we sing this song,
So we worship, we join with those tens of thousands and thousands of angels that worship the one who is glorious. I encourage you, open up your heart to him. Open up, set your mind, set your thoughts upon him and just allow him to do the work that he's been wanting to do in your life. Just worship him and let him in because Jesus is better than you think he is. Friends, Jesus is able to do anything. Whatever need you have, Jesus is able. He is able to overcome it. Come on, start thinking correctly of him. Put your eyes on him. Take your eyes off you to try to fix that need or fill that need. We're going to worship. Come on, stand to your feet tonight. Let's worship Jesus. Whatever the need, he is absolutely able. Whatever, if you feel like you've got filth, come on. Turn to Jesus. If you are in Jesus, you are righteous. You are washed in the blood of Jesus and it is gone and you are free. God looks at you as a cleansed, beautiful son. You are better than you think you are. Stop thinking about yourself in that way. It's Jesus who lives in you. Amen. The hope of glory. Friends, Jesus is here tonight. You've never received Jesus into your heart. Never asked him for forgiveness. Never asked for the blood of Jesus to wash away all your sins. Friends, tonight is the night to do that. If that is you here tonight, I ask you come out the front and do that tonight as we sing this song. Friends, let's worship Jesus together. Let's lift our hands to Jesus. And just let him wash over you. Let him speak to you. Jesus is going to reveal himself to you here tonight in brand new ways. There's someone here who's forgotten just how glorious Jesus is. You've forgotten to stop and look up at him. Turn off everything else and look. And he's going to bring that breakthrough you've been looking for for so long.